Chicago's Black Business Radio Network, All Black, All News, All You. The podcast version of the Heart to Heart Relationship Show is hosted by me, Life Coach, Just Plain Selfish. I am a life coach, mentor, and motivational speaker. My focus is on self-care, which is indeed love the best care, because I promise nobody can do you better than you can do yourself. Chicago's Black Business Radio Network, All Black. All news, all you. We're changing the way Chicago communicates with the world. CBBN Business Journals, weekdays at 11 a.m. CST. The Tough Questions, weekdays at noon. To listen now, visit Chicago's Black Business Radio Network.com. Will your life insurance company pay you 70% to 90% of your policy's face value should you suffer a qualifying chronic illness or critical injury? Ours will. If you answered no, go to www.getstartedwithlivingbenefits.com and request a brochure on Understanding Life Insurance with Living Benefits. Visit getstartedwithlivingbenefits.com today and get covered. Terms and conditions may apply. And welcome to the Great Business Skills Show here on IntellectualRadio.com. And I'm your host, Dr. Anthony O'Gan, here for another show. And we are on iHeart Station. And anywhere you get your listen to your podcast, you can find us, IntellectualRadio.com. And if you are looking to us, not listening, listening to or looking at us right now on YouTube, you can go to YouTube, IntellectualRadio.com, YouTube, and hit the subscribe button there, as well as hit the bell, and you'll be notified of all the great shows we have going on. We have shows going on here Sunday through Saturday, mornings, afternoons, and evenings. A lot of great hosts, a lot of great shows. I have business shows, coaching shows. We have relationship shows, spiritual shows, community activist shows, um, entertainment shows, uh, cultural shows. So we have a lot of different shows here that can actually meet your your needs for good information and good entertainment here on IntellectualRadio.com. So I do appreciate you if you Subscribe to the channel and get a lot of our shows. Again, I'm Dr. Anthony O'Gant uh, on the Great Business Skills Show, and this is a business skills show, a uh, business skill coaching class, a business skill, a business skill book club, all kind of wrapped into one. So it's a positive show to help you do some more positive things in the, as a business skill. And before I get started, I'm going to promote a few people. And if you'd like to get promoted on any of the shows I do here on intellectualradio.com, you can get in contact with me at Full of Purpose Media at gmail.com. That's fullofpurposemedia at gmail.com. So I'm going to promote, um, like I said, about three people this evening. Uh, one person is uh, Mr. Timothy Wright, and he uh, runs a school to help you with GEDs, or help you get your GED. Do you or someone you know need to obtain their high school diploma? Living Free Center can help with their online high school. You can attain your high school diploma for as little as 270 $217.63. You'll also get a free consultation by mentioning you heard about uh, Mr. Timothy Wright and his uh, business here on the Great Business Skills Show here on IntellectualRadio.com. For more information, you can contact Mr. Timothy Wright at uh, one of these three numbers here, 813-559-0014 or 773-499-6941 or 773-531-6941. 6246. Well, you can email livingfreecenter at outlook.com 
or www.livingfreecenter.org. Uh, the next person we would promote is Ms. Nawana Walton. She's the CEO. Uh, she had in charge of a uh, beverage company, and it's called Tea Fusion. And Tea Fusion is a handcrafted beverage company. Brewed in, they brew their teas in Chicago, and it creates and elevates the mind, body, and soul with a refreshing taste and a variety of gourmet flavors that presents life in a bottle. Visit www.drinkteafusion.com and save 15% when you use the code GANT15. That's G-A-N-T-T-1515. Uh, also, they will ship throughout the United States when you place your order. So if you are a tea drinker and like gourmet teas, I'm sure you'll like what they have available. Uh, the next person we will promote uh, this eve- this uh, this particular show is Miss uh, Tammy D. Hale. She's a real estate professional in the Northwest Indiana area. And if you're looking to buy and sell or invest in Indiana real estate, call Tammy D. Hale. She is the owner of Miss Hale Realty. Uh, Tammy serves all of Northwest Indiana. She has over 17 years of experience. Tammy is professional and knowledgeable of the Indiana real estate market. Tammy D. Hale wants to be your real estate broker for life. You can contact Tammy at 219-781-2963. That's uh, 219-781-2963. You will also get a free consultation by mentioning you heard about Miss Tammy D. Hill and her business here on the Great, the, the Great Business Skills Show here on IntellectualRadio.com and iHeart Station with the host, Dr. Anthony L. Gant. So we are in, again, if you'd like to get promoted on the show, any of the shows I do here at intellectualradio.com, you can definitely get in contact with me at fullerpurposemedia at gmail.com, and we can uh, discuss it a little bit further um, if my show fits what your, your business or product is and if your product and business fits what my show is as well. So uh, we are in uh, a series, and for those of you all that may be new to intellectualradio.com and also new to myself, and uh, we always do a series in, on the Great Business Skills Show and in the series, we have different sessions, and it's always based on the book that I have even written or in the process of writing. And we're talking today, this, this particular series title is How to Publish Your Own Book. So we are in part four, and which is the final part of this particular series for us. And we're going to talk about some of the things, uh, the final part of how to uh, publish your own book. And as, again, if you're new to me and new to intellectualradio.com, I always do a recap of what we have covered thus far. And when we, lesson, session one, We talked about could you actually uh, publish a book? Is it possible? And obviously the answer is yes. And what is self-publishing? And what, you know, are some of the companies that you, are some of the ways you can publish, whether it's a traditional publishing company, uh, where they actually, uh, they're looking for people a little bit more popular. That's not saying anything against you or your book. If you're not as popular as some athlete, then, you know, obviously they're going to go for the athlete or the politician or uh, the celebrity before they come after you and I because they're trying to sell hundreds of thousands of copies, not saying that we're not trying to sell hundreds of thousands of copies, but that's the, that's their whole MO, so they're looking for what can sell. Uh, we talked about print-on-demand companies, and that you know that's why it's called print-on-demand. You want one, they print one. You want 100, they print 100. Uh, they l- allow you to keep your rights, but they may keep the layout that they have of the book. And then we talked about publishing services companies, uh, where they actually do all the work for you, you get the rights, and you get all the actual layouts and all the files that belong to uh, belong to you from the book, so you can actually kind of take it on from there. Uh, if you want to print more copies. Uh, in session two, we uh, talked about 
things like uh, self-check. You have to actually check the book yourself, reading reading the book yourself, and and trying to get all the kinks out of it as much as possible. So when it goes to editing, and we talked about all, also that publishing, writing a book is personal, but publishing a book is all business. There's nothing personal about it. So you have to put on your business hat, and publishing is, is, is part of two parts to publishing. One part is preparing something, and the second part is to prepare it to sell it, right? So it's all, all this preparation is really to sell the book or sell the product that you have. So when you're publishing something, that's why I keep reiterating throughout the series that you have to think and put your, your business head on. Because when you put your business head on, you're going to think of like a business. Even though your book is personal, it came from you, it might be your story, it might be obviously it's your baby and all those good things, all that stuff is true. However, at the end of the day, when it comes to publishing, it's all business. And your story is important, but you got to put on your business hat if you want to get this thing done. And you have to understand the publishing process as well. So we talked about that, obviously reading your book and doing a self-check and then obviously you know checking yourself and trying to make sure your story flow. And we talked about a few things on how to get that done. Then we talked about, obviously, when you hand it over to an editor, and you have these editors look at it, and the editor, is, uh, they can clean your book up, and, or they can take content out you know, based on what you're trying to uh, actually do because what you have is being the self-publisher, you have what is called creative control. You control the entire process from beginning to end. Now, that doesn't mean you do everything. You're really like a publishing manager. You're just managing the process. You don't do anything with editing. You just read it and you just write it and try to pass it on. You don't do anything with layout, and that's what we talked about in session three, how to lay, lay your book out. You have to lay your book out so it can be book form ready or book ready so that you can actually get to the play, the next phase of this. So we talked about that, right? So we talked about cover designs and things like that. You have to pay somebody to do, do your cover. One thing that I want to emphasize, and I emphasize it several times throughout the series, I'm going to emphasize it again today, that it costs money. It takes money to actually publish your own book. And a lot of times people don't want to put their money in to publish their own book. You know, they want somebody else to put the money in. And obviously they're going to look at it as a business and it's going to ask themselves, can I get that sold? Can I sell 50,000, 100,000, 200,000 copies of that person's book? If they don't think they can put it in a position to sell that many, they're not that interested because they're interested in selling the book. So this is why you have creative control and then you actually going to have to put the money in. You got to pay someone to edit. You got to pay somebody to proofread. You got to pay somebody to lay it out, pay somebody to, to uh, make covers for you and all these different things. And if you don't know how to do these things, uh, you can try to do some of these things yourself. But obviously, this is not what you do. And even though you're doing it yourself and it's a publish your own book, really, again, you are the publishing manager. So we're going to we're in step four. And we're going to talk about, oh, not step four, we're going to say part four, I'm sorry. And part four, uh, we're going to talk about some of the technical details that's involved with publishing a book. Now, I gave you an example of that publishing a book, and I used the, the fact of, like, building a house. And if you're going to build a house, for, per se, how would you do it? So the writing of the book is the foundation and the framing of the house. That's the writing of the book. That's your, your, your framing of it. That's the foundation, the frame, the walls, frame, even the roof and everything framed. The whole house is framed by the writing of the book, right, the foundation. The second part, when you take it to editing, editing is how you put the walls in and put the floors in of that book so now you have floors because you don't have floors to walk and you just have framing right so you don't you don't have walls really you just have framing so people put the walls up drywall or whatever they plan on using to put these walls up so that's the second part then i, I share with you the uh, the third part when you're actually doing a layout this is the furnishing of the house 
This is what type of carpet you want. How many? What type of couch you want in the living room? What's the dining room set going to look like? What type of light fixture you're going to have? This is the furnishing of the, the furnishing of the book, right? So this is what goes on. That's the layout of the book. Now we're in the technical details of the book, and part of this, using that same house example as I use, we're going to call this part like the title, the deed, and all that stuff to the house, right? Uh, you know, you don't see that stuff outside the house. The deed, the title, who the name, who uh, whose name is the house in, the landmarks of the house, your property lines, surveys, all that stuff is like on the papers, right? So on the, in the house. But same thing here. So now we're going to talk about some of the technical things that's involved with actually getting your house or getting your book uh, published during the publishing process. So first off, let's start with this one. And we're going to start with this one, probably the most important technical detail of the technical detail process is copyrights. And you have copyrights when you write a book, right? Now, the moment you pretty much fix the book up or, you know, you put this manuscript together, technically speaking, you have the copyrights to the book. Right. And then obviously when you put it together and everything, you know, you had a copyright then. But here's something I want you to understand, because once you come out with a book and it's a book form and now you send this copyright in to register the copyright, a registered copyright just gives you permission to sue. Now, you can sue the other way, but copyright protection goes a little bit different. So if someone uh, plagiarize your book, uh, they take things from your book, take chapter two and make it chapter eight in their book. Well, you can sue them for damages because they plagiarized and they infringed on your copyright. And I also said that, you know, you can, once you write a book, you can kind of make it part of your will. Uh, you know, your family can still uh, sell the book. I'm not saying your family will want to sell the book once you're gone, but they could. If they want to or somebody's seen the book, say, man, it's a great book. I really like the story. I really like all these different things. And they say, I want to, you know, use this book. I want to use it to teach a class. I want to use it to make a movie. I want to use it to have a TV show after, right? Or whatever they, whatever they want. Well, they have to ask your permission because the copyrights belong to, you know, you because, you know, whoever wrote the book left you the copyright. So copyrights are very, very important. They're very, very instrumental, and they're very, they're very advantageous when you're writing a book. Now, here's the thing for you. Now, even though I, I just share with you that the book is copywritten when you get done writing, the manuscript, I should say. It's copywritten. But see, here's the thing. Your manuscript might need to be tightened up. Right. That's why we want going through editing and all these different things. Right. So even though you finished this writing two months ago and that part is actually fixed as a copyright. Well, now when it goes through all this process with the editing and change the layout and everything, now it's becoming more of a book. Now, you can do this a couple of ways. Usually when you file the, uh, um, a copyright, when you register, I should say, a copyright, one thing they want, if you have a hardcover book, hard uh, print book like this, then you need to send a couple of copies in to the copyright office, right? You have, you have to fill out this copyright. Uh, you can you can go to uscopyright.gov and you can pull that up and you can just print that out and you fill it out. Just pretty much your name, your address. If you go by AKA, just say for instance, like some people when they write a book, they don't write the book in their own name. They write the book, you know, the name may be, uh, you know, uh, Natasha Smith or whatever, right? And then what happens is, but when they write their book, they call themselves. Uh, you know, Miss Miss Thang Thang, whatever, right? <laughs> whatever they give their name, right? And that's how they write their book under that alias. So when you do your copyright, they're going to ask you that, you know, your name and AKA, so to speak, whatever you use to write the book. You know, a lot of authors you may know of, they may write, you know, you know them as this, this one word. They may have one word and they may, that may be the author of the book. 
But that's probably not their real name. That's just the name or the pen name that they write under. But when you do register your copyright, you can put that in there as well, as well as your name. It have your address, you know, you fill your address. You can have your home address or you can have a, a mail-in address, an office address or whatever you want to use. You can your mama, daddy, whoever, sister address, whatever you want to use is going to be there. Because all this stuff is going to be made public uh, once you register the, uh, the book. So because it's in the public domain. So people can check and say, hey, you know, it's copyrighted. And the reason why that's important is someone steal your material and say, I wrote that book. That's my story, right? Well, in the, co- in the, in the public, in the copyright office, it shows that you copyrighted that book at this time. Now, I, keep in mind, I said earlier that you actually, the book is actually copyrighted. It's a fix right when you get done with it, when there's a manuscript, right? So, again, someone can still, you can, uh, back in the day, long, long time ago, Right, they used to call it the poor man's copyright. So after you wrote this manuscript, you make a copy of it, and you put it in an envelope, and you address it to yourself, and it's from you to you. And you put it in the mail, and goes to the mail, and come back to you, and you know you supposedly you never open up this envelope, right? And because you had the postmark on there of the date that you actually did this. So if someone stole your story years later, you can say, No, look, 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 I copyrighted this thing back here. So back in the day, they used to call that the poor man copyright. Some people still try to use that today, but they because they don't know that it's a fix right when they get done, and everything is a fix. Because even if you do it on a, a computer and everything, technically speaking, if they had to go back into your your computer or laptop or whatever, the, whatever you wrote that book, they can go back and see when you fixed that thing, right? Because you can prove that. See, I fixed it on this date, right, January first. So that's when it's actually legally it's actually copywritten in. However, it's not registered, so now it prevents you. It makes it tougher to sue people if they steal your stuff. Now, obviously, we don't want anybody to steal our things uh, at all, but sometimes people do. And if someone stole your material, and not trying to make you feel bad about it like this, if you live in one state, we just put you in a state, uh, we'll put you in Florida, right? And somebody else wrote and took your stuff and started selling your stuff in California. And you really don't go to California. You don't know anybody in California. You just know people in Florida, you know, and just know what you know. The chances are you don't know that person is using your stuff in California because you don't know about it until maybe they start really making a bunch of money off of it. Then they rise up. Then now you see them. Oh, that's my stuff. That person's using my stuff. And that's usually how it goes. That's how people usually get caught <laughs> when they infringe on copyrights. But usually some people can steal copyrights and you don't even know they stole them because people in that area don't know that person took that information from a person in Florida. They just think it's a good good story. That's a good boy, that's a good movie. That's a good novel. I like it. So, But this doesn't happen all the time, so I don't want you to be afraid of anything like that. It doesn't happen that often. But that's why copy, you wouldn't know if someone really infringed on your copyright until they start making money off your stuff. And then uh, if they only made $10 off your stuff, you don't know that because you don't see $10, right? You didn't see that. But if they made a million dollars off your stuff, a half million, three million, you say, hey, that's my stuff that <laughs> they took, right? So that's how uh, the copyright kind of worked. Now, here's a question that you might, want, you might ha- have or someone, may, you know, people bring this to me a lot. Can I still public print my book or publish my book without it being copyrighted? And the answer is yes. It doesn't have, you don't have to register it with the copyright office. Should you register it with the copyright office? Of course you should. But you can have it just like this and, and, and never register it. Okay, so here's the thing. When you register a copyright uh, of a book, and this is with music or anything else too, but we're talking about books right now. But when you register a copyright, the copyright is, is attached to you your, your entire life. Meaning it just protect you it protects 
you're protected or it's protected the entire time you live. So let's use a hypothetical. You wrote your first book at 40 years old, right? And you're now 70 years old. Well, that copyright was always yours for those 30 years, unless you sold it, but you didn't sell it, right? So that copyright is your copyright, right? Let's say, for instance, at 80 years old, because it's been 40 years since you wrote your book, you pass on, you transition, you leave the planet, right? Well, now that actually copyright is good, you know, to your family or whatever. It lasts 70 years after you die. So let's just give some dates. Let's say, for instance, you, you know, you, you, you wrote the book in, we're just saying, 2020. You live to 2060 and you die. Then 70 years after 2060, which would be 21, what, 30? Uh, you know, your book, that's still attached to your family. This is why I keep telling people, you know, put it in your will. You know, keep it with your family, right? Because this thing lasts a couple of generations after you get up out of here, right? So it can still be attached to your family. If they want to sell it, they can. A lot of people don't. But when we look at, and I said this in uh, one of the other sessions, sometimes we're reading books that's old, and the person may have written the book, uh, you know, 50 years ago, and they've been you know, dead or, you know, transitioned 40 years ago. And this book is still being printed, and you just bumped into it now, or they turned it into a movie or something, and then they turned it into a play. And you say, man, that was a great movie. That was a great play. That was, wow, that was so great. Well, this came based on a book that was written 50 years ago. Now, if the family still owned their rights to that, then when that thing came out as a movie, the people that wanted to make a movie out of it, they had to go to that family and say, hey, we'd like to buy the movie rights to it or, uh, something of that nature, if they still own it, right? So that means that the family can still get paid off movie rights off a book that Grandma wrote 40 years ago. So that's how this. That's why copyrights are so important, so you can keep passing down copyrights. And when really when you get to year 69, prior to 70, you can just reinstate the copyrights to, you know, whoever the new owners are and everything. So that's how things go a long time, and a family can keep the copyrights of music. They can keep copyrights of uh of books and movies and everything. This one family can have the copyrights of all these different things. You may have heard the term in music is that so-and-so bought so-and-so's catalog, meaning that they bought all the rights to their music, and so-and-so has been gone on for 20 years, and the family is still living off the fact of that catalog of music. Well, same thing happened with books, right? You can have a catalog of books. It can be one book. It can be 10 books or 20 books, right? You can have this catalog and then, uh, you know, you can still actually keep this thing going and keep selling. A lot of times with, uh, for instance, with a lot of religious or spiritual sectors, the person, the leader or, you know, the prominent person of, of that thing at one time probably uh, wrote a book, right? That that preacher, pastor, whoever he was or she was in that particular spiritual type of uh, lifestyle wrote a book. But they, they've been gone. They wrote a book and then you said, man, that's a great book. And you find out, man, the person that wrote the book. You know, wrote that book in you know a hundred years ago, and then you know the religion, so to speak, kept kept the rights. So the person that wrote the book gave it to their religion or their church or whatever it may have been. So the church or the religion they kept printing the book, and then when you buy the book and everything, man, it's a good book. Yeah, it's a good book. But then that church or that religion organization actually got the money because they own the rights to the book because the leader of that church or that religion or whatever it has been had. Pretty much giving their rights to the church so the church can have them. So they just reinstate them every 70 years, so to speak. So this is how you can do as a family. You don't have to be no church or no spiritual organization, anything like that, religious organization. But when you write a book, the same thing can happen for you and happen for your family. They can just keep 
uh, selling the book or, you know, promoting the book because someone may pick it up and say, man, that's the best book I ever read, read before, right? So, you know, they can say, I need more copies of that. I need to give that to my whole school. I give, need to give it to my whole sales team or all the employees at my company. And you're like, man, grandma been gone like 10 years. Yeah, but, you know, y'all can make money when grandma gone. So grandma hooked y'all up, right? So that's how you can look at it with your book. So copyrights are important. That's why I say they probably, the, it's almost like a deed to your house. It's like a title to your car. It shows you own it. It's like the most important thing, right? And again, it's a fix right when you get done with the actual work. Now, just say, for instance, you write a book, and then five years later, ten years later, you say, oh, man, I want to change the book. I want to add something to the book, take something out the book. So when you do, when you take out about 25, about 25% of the book, it changes. Now, if you just change one word or change a couple of sentences, that's not, you don't need to file a new copyright, right? Because you didn't change anything, but a word on page five or you change maybe a paragraph, just reverted a paragraph on page 28. Okay. Well, you don't have to refile another copyright, but if you change about 25% of the book, you take out some pages and add some pages and you can just do this by word count. So if this say since you had a, a 20,000 word count, so to speak in your book, and then in all actuality, if you, you know, change or take out 5,000 words or add 5,000 words, so to speak, now you got to re-register this new book, so to speak, with the copyright office because really it's like a new book because you can't you, you made a lot of changes in the book right you added five more pay, five more chapters or you took out five chapters or whatever you had done so now that makes it uh it turns into a new book so to speak uh, at that point so that's something that you need to be important so obviously I, I spend a lot of time on that because it's like the deed to your house that's what that copyright is like the deed to your house so when you think of it that way like hey you know why are you on this property? You say, I got the deed or I got the title to this car. That's what a copyright is. Now, something else that's important is called an ISBN number. And what that stands for is International Standard Book Numbering System. Now, the reason why this is important. Now, here's something, same question about the copyright. Do I need to register or uh, have an ISBN number to have my book printed like this? No, you don't. You can have a book without an ISBN number. Now, what an ISBN number is, back before 2006, uh, they were 10-digit numbers. Uh, right In 2007, they went to 13-digit numbers. Now, here's why the ISBN number is important. Because titles cannot be copywritten. That's why if you notice that if you listen, think of some songs, you know, it, it can be uh, the same title to the song, and it can be an R&B song in this title, it can be a country song at the same title, and it can be a rock and roll song at the same title, right? But... Nobody has infringed on anybody's copyright because titles can't be copywritten. So we can have the same title to a book like uh, this book is what? Uh, My Habits Rule. You can have a book called My Habits Rule and I can't do anything to you because you haven't infringed on my copyright because titles can't be copywritten. Now, if you take my chapter five and make it your chapter three, then I'm coming to get you. Right. Because, you know, you, you just infringed on the copyright. So since titles can't be copywritten, uh, this is the international standard book numbering. The reason why this is important, when you want to put your, your book in bookstores or you want to put it on online bookstores or physical bookstores, you want to sell it somewhere else besides to your group of people or to the people you meet, then what ends up happening is that the, uh, the way that people look for your title, because, again, titles can't be copywritten, right? They go by the ISBN number. And your ISBN number, again, is 13 digits, and it's like a Social Security number for the book. Nobody else has this number but you and your book. Nobody else does. This, this number belongs to that book. And you can't use that number on five different books 
and have five different books with the same number. It doesn't work like that. It's almost like having five kids. They all got different Social Security numbers, right, even though they all belong to you, but they have different Social Security numbers. Same thing with their ISBN number. So you, the International Standard Book Numbering System, this is how. Now, you can do this a couple of ways. You can Now, when you deal with a lot of companies, uh, traditional companies as well as print-on-demand companies, what they do, they buy a thousand. You know, you can buy these things as one, ten, a hundred, or a thousand, right? So, what they normally do, they buy a hundred or a thousand of these numbers, and it belongs to the company. It belongs to the publisher, right? So, when you come with that print on demand company or that traditional publisher, and you bring that book in, they just take the next number and stamp it on your book. And so, when people start looking for that book, they don't really call you. They try to find the publisher of the ISBN number, which is that print on demand company. That's why they that's why they have it. That's why they won't let you get your own. They have it themselves. So if this book ever really become big and everybody wanted to become a bestseller, then everybody had to call that publisher or that print on demand company to find your book. So when bookstores say, I need a hundred copies, I need five hundred copies of that book, they don't call you because you're not the publisher. They call the publisher or the person that had that ISBN number. So when they call it over, they say, Hey, let me get my habits rule, and then they start calling off the numbers to my habits rule, which is the print. Uh, which is the ISBN number or 13 digits. Now, do you have to have that to print a book? No, you don't. You can start. You can go out and print the book and don't have to have it. You, but when you want to put it in bookstores, you're going to need to have it. So if you don't have it now, you're going to need to have it later, right? You're going to need to have it eventually. Uh, if you plan on putting it on online bookstores, you plan on putting it in physical bookstores, then this ISBN number is important. Something else, another technical detail that you need to uh, be aware of is your barcode. And uh, do you need a barcode to sell the print a book? No, you don't. You don't need to have a barcode on it, right? Uh, you, can, you can have one on there. And with your barcode, you purchase the barcode the same way. Now, if you want to purchase, let me go back to ISBN number, for instance. Oh, let, let me go back to copyright. Let me just give you some figures. So with a copyright, if you do it electronically, like when you do your file and you have it in a PDF or something like that, uh, what happens is you can send that over. And right now, and the price is going to go up because it always does, Right. Right now, it's like fifty five dollars. Right. You send it over to the copyright office and everything, you know, with your you know, credit card number and all those different things. And then, you know, they go through the register process. Now, you don't get this right away. You don't get this like right when you send it over. Here come another one. It may take a while. It may take a while based on how uh, how many things are being published. Sometimes it can take a few months. It can take a couple of months to get your copyright. You know, they send you a letter, uh, you know, telling you proof that this is copyrighted. Sometimes it can take seven, eight months based on how if they're behind. If a lot of people are writing and printing books and, you know, and, the, and they short staff, it may, they may be a little behind getting your information to you. But once you send it in, it's actually filed. It just may take a while for them to send you the, the verification of the letter in the mail uh, stating that, you know, this, this copyright belongs to you of this title, this book, on this date, right? Well, uh, so you got to pay for that. Now, if you send hard copy, you got to send two copies of the book. Uh, and usually when, if a company does it for you, a traditional company or, you know, something like that, they do that for you, Right. So they send two copies of the book, and sometimes they ask you fill out this form, you know, all the, all your information, so they can send these copyrights to you know if they're gonna give you the copyrights. If they're not gonna give you the copyrights, and they're gonna own the copyrights, then they'll fill that stuff out for themselves. And normally, right now at this time, again, in the future, it won't be the same price, but right now it's about eighty five dollars, right? So when you print these books, you need to have at least two copies so you can send them in. Okay. Now with the ISBN number. Uh, you can, you know, buy one for a certain price, and then you can buy another one. You can buy 10 of these for about $275, right? So it pays, 
you know, when you get these 10, they'll send them to you via electronically or if they send them regular mail. And they just have these 10 numbers. And what you do is attach the numbers to the books. As you write 10 books. Now, someone said, man, I'm only going to write one book. I don't need all that. Right? You can buy one. But in actuality, I think one is like 125. <laughs> right? Uh, right now. Again, it's going to go up because that's not where it was when I started. Right? But uh, it's like 125. So it's, some people say, well, man, if one of them costs 125, I might as well go and get 10 of them for another $150 more. Right? Because if I bought two of them, that's, you know, 120, that's $250. Well, if I went on and bought 10 of them, it's 275 so I might as well get 10. Now, when they send you the 10, even if you never use them, then they're never used. They don't send you the 10 and say, man, it's been like a week. You know, it's been like a month, been two years. This guy haven't used this ISBN number. They're always yours. They don't send them to somebody else and say, well, he didn't use his 10. She didn't use her 10, so we're going to send these other nine to somebody else. No, they always stuck with you, so to speak. They're always yours forever, if you want to say. So that's like about 200. You know, I, I always suggest people, uh, they should get 10 because even if you write a book and then you might want to put it into a workbook, you might want to do some other stuff with it. You have these numbers already. You may not use all 10. You might just write one book and that's it. But you might say, hey, you know, I wrote this book. I need to put a workbook together. I mean, three more years from now, I may write another book. But you already have the numbers, right? So I said all that to say, when, and you can buy it like I think about 100 of them. It's somewhere like about $750. And see, this is when the, the larger publishing companies, they start gathering these numbers, 100 of them, 1,000 of them at a time. And then when you when you bring your book in, they just stick it on there. So you're paying them because it's part of the package that they sold you on. Uh, they got that package in there, and they may have charged you. They may charge you one twenty five. They may charge you one fifty for them doing it for you, right? They may charge you two hundred. They may charge you fifty dollars, hundred dollars. It's in that package though, but that that ISBN number belongs to them. Now with the barcode, you still pay for the barcode too. Now the barcode again, you don't need to have it on the book in order to you know sell a book because even if you put it in bookstores, a lot of times bookstores to put their own thing on it they put their own little stick prices on it uh what that book would cost now the thing is if you're not good at and you'll hear me say this when you print if you print a lot of books for instance right you say i'm gonna print all these books and you sound you know because a lot of times people are scared to put a price on their books i'm but i think i i think i'm gonna have it at ten dollars ten dollars right and then it sells so good people like the book and you say man i should have sold this for twenty dollars well now you got that barcode on there you got to cover that barcode up and put a new prop you know something new uh like some, uh, something that you can tap uh, a sticker on there with a new barcode, or new price on it, and you'll see that sometime at bookstores. You'll see something over the barcode. It was twenty nine ninety nine. Now it's nineteen ninety nine because it covers up the barcode, and they just actually put the insert the price in. Well, so if you don't sell a lot of books, then you have all these. It's taking you forever to sell, you know, your hundred books, <laughs> whatever it is. Then you might say, man, you know, I need to raise the price on my book. Well, now you got to get you know cover that barcode up with something. But you don't have to have a barcode on the book then uh, uh, to sell it. But uh, barcodes usually run you about, you know, less than 25 bucks. As of right now, you know, it can be about $15. So you get the barcode and you have the price. But you'll fill out a form for that as well, right? Now, when you get your ISBN numbers, you can go to this uh, place called, and with, with pretty much where everybody get their ISBN numbers, R as in Robert, R as in Robert, Bowker, B as in boy, O, W, K as in kite, E, R as in Robert. So R.R. Bowker, and they show you, you can just you can get them right there. You can get them right there in five minutes, right? And they'll send them over to you, right? Right when you purchase them, you got these ISBN numbers. Now, that's like, not like the copyright. It takes a while for the copyright once you register to get that back. But the ISBN numbers, you can get those right away, right? And they show you, you can write one, ten, a hundred, a thousand. You pick it, right? And so that's how you can do it. And then you can obviously, they have a section there where you can get your actual barcode for your book. So they'll send you the barcode. 
So now this is important. So then you can give this to your printer, and then when they print your book, they can put the barcode on the back of the book with the price of that as well. So when people scan that book, it shows that it was $25 or whatever you whatever your price is on that book. So those are just a few technical things that you would need to have uh, in this process. I know that don't sound all that exciting with publishing your book, <laughs> right? But those are some things you have. Now, again, none of those things you have to pay for. Uh, you Now, you can still put in the book, copywritten and buy, right? Now, what I always have in the book is that no form of this book can be repro- reproduced in any any manner. That means electronically, that means photocopy, that means using your phone. None of this stuff can be photocopied or, 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 or reproduced in any manner without contacting the author and the publisher. Now, because I publish my own books, I'm the publisher and I'm also the author. So you got to contact both of us, <laughs> right, so to speak, right? So obviously, again, I said, you know, having a will and everything, you can have a will and have these your public, all your books published under your company, ABC Publishing. It could be your name. It can be, you know, your initials. It can be whatever it is, publishing company, but you only publish your books. You don't publish my books. You don't publish somebody else's books. You just publish your own. So since I have my company of Priceless Publishing, they, they only publish Anthony L. Gant stuff. That's all. They love that guy, right? <laughs> but that's me, right? So obviously, but when my publishing company, where I help publish other people, that's a different publishing company name. I do different things with that publishing company because I, I don't publish any of my books under that publishing company because I publish everything under Priceless Publishing. So obviously they have to write, put something, they have to have written permission by me or and the publishing company. So I have to give you permission to use Chapter 5. I have to give you permission to use Chapter 8. Now here's the reality. Most people be using your stuff. They never call you, never write you. And you, you don't know they're using it. You know, you and you in Texas. They in Wyoming. You don't know what's going on in Wyoming, right? So a lot of people be using your stuff, man. They don't even tell you, man. They be photocopying your stuff. I remember one time I, uh, <laughs> I was, uh, <laughs> and I didn't say anything to them because it wasn't all that serious. But I, they, they would buy my books all the time, right? This group, and uh, they buy my books all the time. They stopped buying my book. They said, you know, uh, yeah, you know, we stopped buying your book. We just stopped copying it using the copy machine. I'm like, y'all can't do that. <laughs> I didn't give you permission to do that with my book. Right. But to them, they figure that well, we're going to save money. Why keep buying? You know, we got different classes coming in, different people. Hey, why keep calling, you know, Anthony Gann up, buying his book? Well, we can just make a photocopy of it. Just pass out as a photocopy and staple it and give it to the guys or the girls when they walk in. <laughs> right. Like, y'all, I tell them, you can't do that. You just broke the law. You just infringed on my copyrights. You producing my stuff without my permission. Right. So, you know, I mean, we didn't get into nothing you know, legal and all that stuff because it wasn't that serious. But I, I didn't want them to do that. And they didn't know. They thought it was okay. Like a lot of people think it's okay. I just scan this book, give it to all my friends. I'm going to teach a class. I'm going to scan Chapter 5, and I pass it out to everybody, you know, stuff like that. You can't do that without the permission of the author or the publisher of that book. But unfortunately, a lot of people do things they don't know, even though just because you don't know it, you still broke the law, right? So, you want to be careful. Don't do stuff like that. Just buy the book from the person or ask the person, can you make copies of it? They may say, yeah. I would have said no, but they may say, yeah, that you can make copies of it because, you know, obviously they, you make copies of it. You say, I only need 10. You make 20, right? How would they know? So this is why this is important. So that, that's a lot. Ooh, boy, I said a lot on technical. Uh, I could have said a lot more. So here we go. So now here's the next phase. Now, again, that's the D to the house, right? The technical stuff, right? Now, here's like the final phase to that to this project of this project manager is printing the book, right? You don't have to have your own print machine down in your basement. 
or up in your attic or in your, so your spare room or anything like that, right? You're going to take this book to someone to print it, right? Now, here's why all these other things are so important because usually when you take it to someone to print it, if you're not using the company, even if you use the print-on-demand company a lot of times or a lot of those companies, and what you give them is what they print. So if you have a mistake, a mistake on page one, and they can see it on a mistake on page one, their job is just printing. Their job is not correcting your page one or your page 101. That's not what their job is to do. Their job is just to print what you give them. And if you give them some mistake on page one, that's what you have. Now, obviously, you want to, and this is why I don't want you to feel bad about your book, you know, because I made a lot of mistakes in printing books, right, uh, publishing books. I made a lot, lot, lot of mistakes, right? Cleared a lot of stuff up, too, but I made a lot of mistakes, right? And because you're so close to the book, your editor is so close to the book, or whoever lays it out with you, everybody is so close to this book, everybody think they caught everything. So you got all these eyes on it. You Everybody think, I got it. I caught everything. No mistakes in there, right? I went over this thing five times, right? <laughs> and you went over it five times, and editor went over it five times, and you had a proofreader, and all these people seen it. But unfortunately, people still miss something. Now, I'm saying this to encourage you because people are going to criticize your book, right? Your book too big, your book too little. Word, the font too big, the font too little. The cover too blue, the cover too white. <laughs> Whatever it is, right? And these people, I mean, they'll jack you up. And if you're not careful, you'll start feeling all bad. Won't come out with book two and won't come out with book three. You won't try to sell book one because... Somebody said they didn't like your color cover because it was ugly and why you use orange and black and the orange and black just don't go together. And, you know, you got too much orange and not enough black. It should be all black and little orange. I mean, they try to give you all these suggestions, right? <laughs> right. But a lot of times there's a man that covers too plain. And the people that usually criticize what I found in doing this about 20 years, the people that criticize me the most are the people that haven't done it at all. And not even thinking about doing it. Couldn't even do it if they, I guess, if they wanted to. So I'm trying to encourage you that you're going to find a few mistakes, right? Yeah, somebody, because you got a budget. Remember, remember what I told you? You got the budget. Everything going to cost you money. And you may not have a bunch of money, and whatever a bunch may be to you or, or the next person, you may not have any money set aside for all that. So you can't get as fancy. Some people do get all fancy with everything, right? Because you still got to sell this thing. And they make things attractive because they have a budget. They can do that, right? So they may have a prettier cover than you. Right. They may have been able to afford a more expensive editor than you. Uh, all these different things. Right. So you don't get all tied up and caught up in that. Just get your book out because it's needed. And most people that criticize you haven't done it. Right. So here's the thing for you. So when you're printing the book because they printing what you have. And I made this mistake when you do a lot of, like a lot of printers. Right. And a lot of times people don't start in the print business, the book business when they're in print. A lot of times they may just print what they print. They might uh, print, you know, a lot of uh, paperwork or, you know, uh, maybe papers, news, you know, local newspapers in the area. Uh, they may print, uh, you know, local magazines in the area. And so when they hear somebody printing a book, I mean, they look at that, man, that's, now that's what I want to do. I want to get in the book side. I want to print books because it helps strengthen their resume, right? I printed 10 books. I printed 50 books or whatever they printed, right? Well, a lot of times they don't have the equipment to print books, they have printers, but they don't have book printers, <laughs> right? So what ends up happening to me, uh, because, you know, unfortunately, 
I was always stuck on price. And if you can do it for less money, man, you know, you're my friend, you know. And uh, that is not the best way to do things, in no, in, in probably in most things, right? So I, I'm, folks tell me they can do this, they can do this whole project, especially when I did it at other companies and the project might have been larger, cost me more money. And uh, this person said, man, they can do it for like a 20% of what I pay. I'm like excited. What? 20, <laughs> you can do it for that little man where you located. <laughs> I got to get my stuff to you right now because uh, I can save all this money. Well, it ends up turning out, you know, person never printed a book before. They didn't. That's why it was so low. They didn't know how to actually calculate what it was going to take for them, the machines they're going to need. They don't know how to calculate that. They just want to actually be involved with it. So what ends up happening is that my book came out kind of cheesy, tan all up and everything. I opened it up, pages falling all out. Like, what's going on? <laughs> right? Cover fall off. Like, man, I thought I got a deal. Yeah, I got a deal all right. I got dealt with. That's what happened. Right? So I started realizing that. You know, you're going to have to spend some money and you're going to try to get the best, you know, best people you can uh, to actually print these books. It's going to cost you a little bit more money. So in the printing process, you had a couple of things. You can have soft cover books like these paperbacks or you can have hardcover books like this. Right. So that's a hardcover book. And that's my planner. So that's larger. Right. But that's that's a that's a book that I actually published. Right. However, you can have them hardcover. Now, here's how it goes in the book business. Because people like hardcover books, especially when they self-publish a book. They want to look bigger and better than, you know, the next guy, right? Now, in the, in the book business, if you get somebody that's a politician or a popular person, they come out. These books are normally hardcover books, right? So-and-so, so-and-so, this entertainer, celebrity coming out with a book. And it's a hardcover book. And people like, they like these hardcover books, right? Now, eventually, the book will become... A paperback book, maybe a little bit smaller than this, right? Now, what happens in the book business, just so you know, that when a book does well, when it first come out, now these traditional book companies now, it comes out as a, as a, a hardcover book. Once it sells so many, hundreds of thousands of copies or whatever it is, then they bring it and, and do, do a paperback book. Now, if it never gets to paperback in the real book business, it really didn't sell well as a hardcover. That's really all that's saying. Well, when you self-publishing, most of us start off as hard. Uh, I mean, with paperback. That doesn't mean I book this so well hardcover. It's <laughs> just where you start, right? You start off because it's less expensive, right? The book is less expensive to put together as a paperback than it is as a hardcover book. So most of the things you're going to start off with that. Now, if you're doing a lot of children's books, a lot of times, um, here's something that you need to understand because this goes with your printing. Because printing usually go like this. If you have, If you need pictures put in the book, that's part of your thing. You have pictures or sketches and all these things you want to put in there. That will cost you more. And you say, well, I want these pictures colored pictures. I don't want them black and white. Well, colored pictures being printed will cost you more than black and white pictures being printed. And these pictures, every time, every picture costs you money. So if you say, I got 25 pictures in this book, well, that's going to be, that's, that's on top of what it costs to print. They add that on. And you say, I want them colored. That's adding it on too. And I want a hard copy. That's added on too, right? So all this stuff is added on in the printing process. So the printing process pretty much go like this when people print books. They say, how many pages do you have, right? Uh, you, well, they start off this. What type of book do you want, paperback or hardcover? You say which one you want, right? They say, uh, what size do you want? Like these sizes here, all five and a half by eight and a half. You can have four by six. You can have six by nine. You can have eight and a half by 11. You know, whatever size you have, right? 
And then they say, okay, good. How many pages do you have? And then you got, now they, they count all pages, blank pages, copyright pages, title pages, conclusion pages, everything. That's inclusive of all the pages that's in the book. So you may say, I wrote a book that's 100 pages, but you got about 10, 12 pages that has nothing to do with book. Like I say, introduction, you know, uh, table of contents, conclusion, you know, title page, copyright page. You have all these different pages. Then you may have a few blank pages. So when they say how many pages, they count all the pages, right? So they got your, your, what you want, hardcover, softcover. You want uh, what the size of the book is. How many pages do you have? Do you have any pictures? Yes or no? No. Okay. Or yes. Uh, black or white or color? Color. Okay. So all this stuff is calculated in the cost. And then they say, how many copies do you want? Right? And this is why people like print on demand because they say, I won't only have one copy. <laughs> right? <laughs> how much is one copy? That's all I want. Right? So that's what print on demand does. And, and the regular publishers do it the same way. Right? They do the same thing the same way. Right? So when you're printing those books, here's what I say. You want to print smaller numbers first. Right? And obviously, the smaller your number, the more each book costs, right? The larger your number of books, print copies that you have, the lower it costs per book. So let's just use a hypothetical. Let's say, for instance, uh, this book here, this book is about 300 pages, right? 60 plus thousand words, so about 300 pages. So with that said, that someone may say, I may take it to a printer, a printer may say, you know what? I say, hey, man, I only want like 20 of these books. And the printer said, well, if you want 20 of those books, those books going to cost you $15 a piece. Right? Because you only want 20. I say, okay, I want 2,000. He said, man, those books may cost you $2 a piece. But 2,000 times 2 is going to cost me a different price than 20 times 15. That's how that goes. Right? So I always suggest to people that you want to try to probably stay your first run based on how much help you got now. If you got help from experienced people knowing what they're doing, I say you probably want to stay, you know, you probably want to not top 200 on the first run, right? And the reason being, because you might, once you look at it as a book, even though you read the proof and all those things, and you want to change that, oh, let me put this in. When you go to printing, they said, you know, they send you a proof and you want to change it, you get charged for the changes that you want to make. So if you got like 25 changes in there, you're going to get charged 25 times. Some of them will say, hey, we'll let you get five changes for free, Right? But you say, I want to change this, I want to change that, and you send all these changes in, they're going to charge you for every change you make. That's why you got to make this thing as tight as possible, possible before you get to that particular phase. Because if you say, oh, man, I mean, one time I, I wrote a book and, and the font size, I didn't change the font size, and me and the editor, I don't know how we missed it. I didn't change the font size on one page in one chapter. And it had this little old font, <laughs> little font, and everything was just all out of whack. Oh, I was like sick, right? But uh, it printed. And if I would have changed it, and I didn't see it until after I okayed it, the, the editor didn't see it until after we okayed it. I don't know how we missed that, but we missed it, right? And uh, so I had all these books with this one page with this small font, <laughs> right? Uh, it was still good information, but it was like, hey, why the font small on this one page and these other 200 pages is all the same? Made a mistake. That's what happened, right? So that's why I always tell people you want to, Start as low as possible, as few as possible. You you know, you don't want to start at 5 or 10 because you're trying to sell the book. And we're not talking about selling too much here, but you're trying to sell the book so you can go to another level, make a few changes, make a few corrections, then print more copies. Make a few changes, make a few corrections, 
print more copies. Now, you're selling these books at the time, so it's helping you recoup money and come up with more money to print to do the next phase. So that's how the printing part of it works somewhat. You know, I, I gave us a synopsis. That's how you, you print your book and get your book printed uh, as well. And then once you get it printed, now obviously, you know, you get it to you, and it, you know, it may take them a week based on the printer. It may take them a couple of days. It may take them a month to get your book to you. And then now you can start selling it, right? Or you can sell it before then. But now you have a actual book in your hand that you can actually start selling and you can read it and everything, get all excited, start crying, all that good stuff. Because that's what I do every time I get a book. I, you know, I get my tissue ready because it always makes me cry because I thought, man, this was just an idea. And look at it now, right? So I said a whole lot. I'm going to go ahead and pretty much close it out with that before I do a total recap. Uh, I'm going to promote a couple more people, uh, a couple more people differently than I said a little earlier. So uh, let's see here. Got so many people, good people I need to promote. And um, if you, again, you want to get promoted on any of my shows, you can get in contact with me at fullofpurposemedia at gmail.com. Again, that's fullofpurposemedia media at gmail.com. And then we can see what we can do for you. Uh, so we are going to promote. Uh, let's see who we're going to promote here. All right. So we're going to promote Miss um, Jera Latrice. And she's a ghostwriter. And looking to become an author, look no further. Gifted with a pen is a full-service ghostwriting and editing company. Was created with Proverbs 18.16 in mind. A man's gift make room for him and bring him before a great man. Gerald Latrice and her team are truly gifted with the pen and are excited about helping future authors like you. You can contact Ms. Gerald Latrice at Gerald, J-E-R-R-A, L-A, T-R-I-C-E dot com. And from there, you can uh, book a time on her calendar. You also get a free consultation by mentioning that you heard about Miss Gerald Latrice and her business here on the Great Business Skills Show here uh, at iHeart Station on here on intellectualradio.com with the host, Dr. Anthony O'Gant. The next person we're going to uh, promote, Miss Yardley uh, L. Theodore. And are you a truck driver? Do you want to uh, save money? She's an insurance professional. And do you want to save much money on your business insurance? If so, don't wait. Contact Ms. Yardley, Y-A-R-D-L-E-Y, at 630-998-8852. That's 630-998-8852. She is a, a dedicated insurance broker who has the ability to quote you from multiple insurance companies to save you money. You will also get a free consultation by mentioning that you heard about Ms. Yardley and her business here on uh, the Great Business Skills Show here on intellectualradio.com with your host, Dr. Anthony L. Gant. The next person is Miss Sonia Perdue. Uh, she's an uh, insurance professional as well. And she uh, sells insurance. And, and I'll, here's a question that she want to ask you. Will your insurance company pay you 70 to 90% of your policy's face value? If you experience a, a qualifying terminal or chronic or con- uh, critical illness or critical injury, would they pay you that face value? If not, get started with living benefits today. Contact Ms. Sonia Purdue at 773 609 That's 773 609 or www.getstarted with livingbenefits.com. G E T S T A R T E D W I T H L I V, as in Victor, I N G. B E N E 
fits.com. Get started with livingbenefits.com. And you also get a free consultation by mentioning that you heard about Miss Sonia Perdue and her business here on the Great Business Skills Show here with, on intellectualradio.com with your host, Dr. Anthony L. Gant. So, uh, wow. Uh, last person. No, you know what? Yeah, last person. Uh, Mr. Lugene Delonado. He is a uh, magazine publisher and a publisher of Black Pages International. Exer- and exercise your power. Circulate your money in black businesses. Create jobs for your children. Create a healthy, happy, and wealthy community. Go to blackpagesinternational.com. Uh, Black Pages International is a directory of hundreds of black businesses and professionals where you can locate professionals and businesses for whatever you need. If you are looking to support black businesses, go to blackbusinesspages.com. I'm sorry, blackpagesinternational.com. And you you can also, there's also opportunities to advertise your business in this directory. And it also goes around nationwide. You can contact Mr. Eugene Delanado, D-I-L-L-A-N-A-D-O, for more information at 773-447-1470, 773-407-1470, or go to blackpagesinternational.com. You'll also get a free consultation by mentioning that you heard about Mr. Eugene Delanado and his business here on the Great Business Skills Show here on intellectualradio.com and iHeartStation. With the host, Dr. Anthony L. Gant. So let's do a recap to close this thing out here. So, again, we talked about uh, in several things in, in this particular one. We talked about actually self-publishing. This is what this was all about. We talked about how you have to do a self-check, right? We talked about is you have to get editors, right, help ed- ed- help you edit your book, you know, the frame of that house. We talked about as well as you have to get layouts. You have to lay the book out and make it book ready. You have to get cover designs as well as you have to understand the technical details that's involved from copyrights, the ISBN numbers, the barcodes, the pricing. You have to know all those things and get those things together. And that's why you have help with those things. And then obviously you want to print the book, right? You want to make sure you get get to a company that print books. That's what they do. They print books and that you want to get with those type of companies that print books and print books all day. That's what they do. They don't print anything else. They just print books. And those and then you know you want to the more work you do, the less copies you want to print first, right? The less, the more help you get, the more copies you want to print, right? Again, I, I don't think when you do your first run, you probably want to start start at 200. Now, unless you have a market, uh, you got a market of people already, then you might start, you know, with 500, 1,000. I know when I first started, I started with bigger numbers. And when you find a mistake in there, you know, you got 1,000 copies and you find a mistake on page five, you got 1,000 mistakes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, ah, oh, because you got to sell those 1,000 books so that you can, you know, print you some more without the mistake in there. So that's why I always tell people, start with lower numbers, less than 200. You might start with 100 or whatever it may be, but start with lower numbers. So if you do find a mistake in there after you thought you had everything tight, you only got 100 mistakes in there, not 1,000 or not 5,000 mistakes, right? So that's why you want to start this. So I hope you got a lot out of this series. If you want to get any of the books that I have or get in contact with me, you can t- get in contact with me at fullerpurposemedia at gmail.com, and you know you can purchase the books that I have written. Obviously, the one on uh, publishing a book uh, that's in the process of being published now, you can actually get in contact with me when you know if you're seeing this now today. But obviously, you see this a year from now, that book is already out, so you just call me up, right? And we can get that done. So, like I say all the time, uh, so as uh, before, I close that great business people uh, haven't been born great. Great business people are made great 
because they have great business skills. And I'll see you next time. Mm. Wow. I never...